Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. Michael Jordan. Nothing made me more excited. I saw some photographs of like folks that I don't I don't know, but you know, there's a bunch of fire closures in Northern Washington that locked people out from uh, finishing at uh, at the border along along uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. And I saw photos of like all kinds of folks that had like made little cardboard signs of the monument or like made one out of two by fours or whatever. And like, that's their hike and that's awesome. Like, absolutely, I'm sure like as someone like that can relate that must have really sucked at some point for them but like i think if you can you can yeah if you found you had a couple hiking friends out there you could definitely make like a horrible 300 mile road walk fun i'm doc and this is the john freaking muir pod Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, Dirtbags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right, let's get to this week's guest, a triple crowner who is also a wildland firefighter. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Matt Mason. How's it going, Matt? Hey there, it's going well. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I've never talked to a wildland firefighter before. This would be a good perspective. Yeah, we're just like everybody else. We're pretty good at walking. Nice, but. nice. Now, I said I introduced you as a triple crowner, so you, you've spent a lot of time out on the trails. Have you picked up a trail name along the way? Uh, yeah, my trail name is Pretzel, um, which has there's lots of like food hiker trail names. Uh, that was my high school mascot. And when folks found out about that, um, that was that. I was Pretzel. So that was your high school ma- mascot or you were the high school mascot? No, no, the, the 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 Freeport Fighting Pretzels of Freeport, Illinois. Um, yeah, so like the town, you go downtown. There's literally like bike racks in the shape of a pretzel. Um, the football field has a pretzel on the center. You know, boys swim team. They had pretzels on their the butts of their speedo. So, and uh, yeah, when that when that came to light in uh, on the Appalachian Trail, they're like. There's this awesome woman from like rural Georgia. She's like, that's it. You're a pretzel. And like, I, I think about that woman every time I tell this story. So thus I bring her up. Um, but yeah. So now I have been, I, I, I've been in education for 30 plus years and I have <laughs> never encountered another school with the, the mascot of the fighting pretzels. That's, that is wild. Yeah, yeah, or just or just the pretzels. I don't know if it's fighting a little embellishment there, but yeah, um, that's that's us. And his town of German immigrants that had a bunch of breweries and beer and pretzels, and there we are. Okay, beer and pretzels. That's a good combo right there. Did you ever meet yeah. anybody on the trail named Beer? <laughs> no, no, but I did meet a pretzels plural, and I uh, thankfully I was stationary on the trail, and they were just passing through, so. Or we didn't have to like figure that one out. Yeah, that would have been was, awkward. You, you hiked yeah. with them for a, for a couple hundred miles. You'd be introducing yourselves as pretzel and pretzels. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, pretzel, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I have. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode or a favorite guest? Um, you know, I uh, I enjoyed Legend, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like you know he's he's not. He's a mountain. He's a mountain range over from me. Um, and who else? I'm. Oh my gosh! It's funny. I, after the fire season, I hiked the Superior Hiking Trail, and I just had a blur of podcasts. Right. Like hiking, listening to a podcast while I was, you know, hiking on a set on a long trail. So I was just like, wait, who was that guest on? Was it yours? Was it someone else? You know. Um, but yeah, I, I I like Legends a lot. Yeah, he's he's a he's a character. Yeah, and I and also because I have like no interest in being on that level of walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that so. is that is next level walking right there. So oh, thanks. Hey, uh, Pretzel, I just asked because I want to make sure that you are familiar with a segment that we have at the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. That's where I will mm-hmm. turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make sure that their next outdoor experience is even better. So don't be surprised. Okay, cool. You are, of course, expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you'll be on the hook for one at the end. Okay. All right. The Must Bring Gear Review. 
Hey, Pretzel, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs, and here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, Pretzel, what is your must-bring piece of gear out there on the trail? Uh, for me, it's just... I recovery is super important for like my hiking style. So, uh, I always, I think I'm 15 years in maybe, Oh gosh, that makes me sound old of, uh, of using a Neo air, uh, from, from, uh, Thermarest. So I've used the woman I've used all four or three different sizes, but I usually take the women's at 66 inches has a higher R value and is lighter than the, the full length. So that's no. like, I got it. I have to sleep well. Like I, I used to, you know, like I've slept on a foam pad and it's just, uh, I knew from the jump that that's wasn't going to do well for me in my hiking career. Yeah, absolutely. Very important to get your rest out there. Uh, especially yeah. if, you, if you're doing a long trail, I mean, you're going to be out there for, for months. So you got, you got to be able to, to recover. Now is that right. thermal rest sleeping pad? Is that the one that sounds like a, a, a bag of potato chips? Yeah. If you've never, uh, if you don't hike much, but if you hike much, it doesn't, it's pretty quiet. Okay. <laughs> no, I just, uh, there's like, it's, it's essentially like a mylar, uh, barrier that reflects the cold ground and reflects your heat back to you. And the more you use it, it gets a little bit quieter. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't ever, don't any inflatable pad. I never recommend holding up to the light or cutting open because it's like a Petri dish in there. <laughs> ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I must've been hiking with a guy who, who had not gotten a lot of experience with that thermorest because yeah. it got to the point where I would wait to see where he set up his tent in camp before I would set up my tent uh, 30 yards away. So I didn't yeah, have to yeah, listen yeah. to him all night. Oh, it, they're definitely crinkly. I, yeah. I got no problem with that, but I'm sleeping so well that I don't care how loud it is. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Hey, I love talking about gear and to help us talk about gear. I've got another segment. It's the hiking pole. It's called the hiking pole. And that's pole spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey, not like the kind of thing mm -hmm. you hold in your hand out there on the trail. And it's seven questions. And after these seven questions, I'm going to be able to give you a score on the sanity scale from one to a hundred. Okay. Right? With one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now, of course, there is an automatic 25 point deduction for anybody that has hiked a and one of the American long trails. So the, the highest score you can possibly get pretzel is 75. Okay. And I have a sneaking suspicion. You're not going to come close to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I were to ask your friends and family, you know, how, how, what, what score would they give uh, Matt uh, on the sanity scale? Would, would you be on the higher end or the lower end? Oh, I, I don't like, I mean, Oh, they would say I was like on the total low end, <laughs> but I, I think also they have their perspective is like, it's very limited. They don't know about all these other long distance hikers. You know, they, 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 they view me as if I'm the only person that has ever done any of this. I mean, they know that I haven't, but like, they just like, it's so out of some many of their worldview and like their radar. So they would be like zero, <laughs> zero. Okay. Completely <laughs> insane. Got it. Got it. All right. So these seven questions are all about hiking and I want to see which side of the fence you fall on with these. And, uh, based on whether I agree with you or disagree. It's completely subjective on my part. I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I, I have my own sure. uh, thoughts about these. Now you may okay. be able to uh, persuade me one way or the other by giving me a, a decent explanation for the way you answered. 
Okay. All right. So first question, I think it's an easy question. Uh, trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Uh, trekking poles generally. Yeah. Generally. What, what is, what does generally mean? What, what is the determining factor? I, I mean, if I'm going like something sh- short and fast, like, like a really quick overnight, um, where I might just choose the cowboy, you know, like that's, what's fun about a, if you're only going to be out in the woods for maybe 24 or 30 hours, like 36 hours, you get, you can get a really good weather report, you know? Um, and so, and if I'm going to be doing like more running than hiking than that, like I would rather just not carry the poles cause I don't like playing pole games, but like, if I'm just going to go on a normal standard, like trip a couple of nights out or, you know, walk across the country, definitely poles. Got it. Got it. They saved, now, they saved me from breaking my, my face. So. Always, always a good resource to save that, save that face. Now <laughs> you, you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, something about your hiking style. You have a, do you have a different hiking? This is not part of the hiking pole. It's just, I'm just following well, up on this. Is there something unique about your hiking style? Uh, I just like to be moving. If, if there's light, I like to be moving. That's all. Okay. So yeah, no, I just recover. So recovery is like big, like if I'm walking sun up to sundown, like, or, and usually I, I enjoy night hiking as an activity, like mm-hmm. as a way to experience, you know, like an ecosystem. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like good comforts once I'm not walking. Got it. So you, you're doing a lot of hours, a lot of miles. That's why recovery is important. Yeah. Okay. Question number two, what's on your feet? Boots or trail runners? Uh, uh, trail runners, something, something meshy. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite brand? Uh, yeah, I hate sounding like, uh, I'm the, the ultras, like the lone peak 1.5s and 2.0s, but they are long gone. I offered a dude $50 in the grocery store in, in Lewistown, Montana, uh, once for the size 13s off of his feet. And he was like, Oh, these old things. I just, I just get groceries with them. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's like my favorite shoe. So, um, yeah, I have a, a wet and F width. So like North, most American shoes are built on a D last. That's like the standard. And then there's E, double E, triple E, quadruple E, and I'm F. Um, wow. So like my feet, if you can imagine a Chaco, my, my feet literally hang over the sides of the Chaco on both sides. Like they're just stupid wide. So um, size 13 F. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. But I'm like, but I'm like 5'10. So it's like, I'm not even like that tall. Like, you just have big, dumb feet. Like, I was going to ask if you were like 6'8 or something. No, no, just pretty. You know, my, my hands are like comically large. Uh, but yep, everything else just. Uh, you're lucky you didn't get a uh, trail named Hobbit or Sasquatch out there. Yeah. You know, I, I would have, even back then, I would have immediately turned those down because like, that's how many Hobbits in set. Sasquatches are out on there, out on trails. So <laughs> something more reasonably unique. Right. All right. Pretzel, when it comes to your shelter system out there, are you a tent guy, tarp, hammock, bivy, or do you prefer cowboy camping? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, if I'm on a long distance hike, of course, like you got, you know, you're going to carry a tarp of some kind. Um, I enjoy cowboy camping, you know, uh, when it makes sense and like, you know, going on short trips, that's always awesome when you can just not take a shelter. 
Cause at the end of the day, I'll just pack up all my wet things and just walk back to my truck. <laughs> if, if things are really bad, you know? Nice. And you know what? I need to follow up on your, your previous comment. Did the guy, mm-hmm. did the guy give you his shoes for 50 bucks? Oh no, no, no. He, and he had no clue. Like this is like, they haven't made those. They're like, you know, six or seven versions. Cause they've done half versions along the way. Yeah. No, no dice. Well, just a, just a note that if I'm ever out at the store and someone offers me 50 bucks for the, the old pair of shoes I've got on my feet, I will, I will definitely walk back to the car in my socks or barefoot. So I've got a couple eBay alerts when, uh, so if it's like someone tries to sell it with the right model number, it'll pop up. And it's been literally years since someone's tried to sell a Lone Peak one and a half or two. <laughs> They're a dying breed. All right. Hey, when it comes to sleeping, are you a sleeping bag guy or a quilt guy? Oh, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a big like right tool for, for the job. Um, so if I'm doing something more shoulder season, that's shorter where I might be less concerned about what like the, the weight of my pack, I might run a traditional sleeping bag. Um, but I, yeah, I think I'm, I've, I've, yeah, quilt for a long time, um, 10 years now. So. Okay. Nice. What, uh, what uh, model or brand of quilt? Um, I've got a couple, uh, my, my best friends do the Jerusalem cruiser is his trail name. Uh, J JC for short. He, when uh, I met him on the Appalachian trail and he made almost all of his gear, like literally, um, everything but his tent stakes and his cook pot, like everything else was made, you know, like an incredibly wow. well, uh, he, he made me a quilt, um, just from a bunch of scrap fabric, uh, that he had, uh, which was cool. You know, it was like all stuff that he's just going to throw away that mm-hmm. like wasn't going to work. Um, so it's a little bit heavier than what it, you know, like he could have made it for me, but it was cool. A little reduced reuse. Um, and then, uh, Western now, Jerusalem, Jer- Jerusalem cruiser. Does he wear Chacos out there? Uh, well, I'm on the Appalachian trail. He, he wore like the sandals and, uh, he, <laughs> like he he's done a couple of long trails and he, he just like he's he's like oh for that trail it made sense but for colorado i'm just gonna wear running shoes <laughs> and when he's not on the trail is he a carpenter uh no he makes no. he makes pizza for a living okay. but he is a pretty good woodworker though <laughs> nice all right you know i always hear people when they talk about quilts talk about enlightened equipment but, yeah actually um i i got one this fall because uh okay um, I thought it was fitting. I was hiking the Superior Hiking Trail, Minnesota, that I uh, get an enlightened equipment, um, and that was great. I mean, I just—it's cool. Like one of my dear friends made me this piece of gear. I put, you know, I put over three thousand sure. miles on the quilt he made me, so it's you know nice. super special. Yep. Um, and then I have—I had a West or I have a Western uh, Mountaineering Astrolite, which is like their 20, 20 degree bag and that's uh i mean that was awesome in the desert um if i did a lot like that's it just uh it'd be great for the arizona trail but in higher humidity environments it just i I think they've addressed that issue i'd like the first one of the first runs i think they've addressed uh, some of the fabric issues they've had with it with it not breathing properly but uh but i mean can't can't go wrong with western any any other western product got it Got it. Nice. All right. Hey, when it comes to food out there, question number five, you, uh, you go with a stove, cold soak or stoveless? 
What's your preference? Uh, stoveless. Stoveless. Yeah. So you're not and, cold uh, soaking, no, but you're taking you're taking food yeah. that you, you can eat without cooking. Yep. Um, and that goes back to like for me, just like simplicity. Um, not having to deal with dishes. Um, you know, like and is the there's there's that leave no trace element. Um, you know, like not having to worry about that, not putting, you know, not cooking somewhere, you know, enticing wildlife and then sleeping there for the next like seven hours. So that, that makes me, that helps me sleep better at night, you know, especially in, in, here in Montana and grizzly country. Um, but uh, it's not really a weight thing. It's just the, the simplicity of it. Um, yeah. yeah. Recovery is important. So you got your, you got your thermal rest and then you have your peace of mind. Those are two important things you need to yeah, get, yeah, get yeah, yeah, sleep yeah. out there. Nice. Yeah. All right. Question number six, is life better above or below the tree line? Uh, I mean, I know this is a hiking podcast, but it just, I guess it depends what my, my objectives and what tools I have with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up in the Midwest, so I like, I love trees. Um, and I like enjoy the, the lush green of the Midwest and the East coast. Uh, but you know, some, there's something really awe-inspiring about being above tree line. Um, and the, the exposure of that, it's kind of exciting to me. So I, I'm kind of a wash on that, you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I do. I, do, I don't know how that object, how, how you're going to uh, take that as an answer where, how many points that scores me. Yeah. By not yeah. yeah. You lost some points there, pretzel. That's all right though. That's okay. okay. I, I understand. Now, <laughs> last question. Number seven, what's more important pack weight or luxury items? How much, how much uh, weight were you carrying out there on those long trails? Um, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, I have a pretty lightweight pack. I think on the CDT, I was like, um, not or, uh, six pounds, nine ounces. Wow. Seven, yeah. So, so are um, you, uh, are you, do you cut the handle off your toothbrush and, and cut the straps, extra straps off your bag? I mean, are you counting every ounce out there? Uh, grams, but yeah, grams. Um, oh, sorry, grams. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's. I think uh, uh, Mike Cleland. He wrote this awesome book about ultralight backpacking, and he's a he's a cartoonist. I think is what he would call himself. Um, but yeah, it's just like like I, I just love examining that stuff, and yeah, it makes makes it easier. Um, his his ultralight backpacking tips book is just killer. Um, yeah, and also when I cut the the handle off of my bamboo toothbrush because that's lighter than a plastic one, um, it fits better in the little ziplock, right? You know, um, that's that's just easier. It takes up less room in my hip belt, you know. So nice. I think I've this is this has been great. I think I've gotten a, a good peek inside <laughs> the mind of Matt uh, Pretzel. Mason. So let me, let me do some math here. I got to put the, your answers through the, the John freaking Mirpod algorithm. Got to do yeah. some math. I got to carry the two. So I got to divide by root three and multiply by pi. And then we're going to adjust for the, the number of grams lost uh, <laughs> when you cut your toothbrush in half, your bamboo toothbrush in half. And I come out with a, I think a pretty accurate score of 38. Okay. <laughs> 38. You're, you're, you're south of the, the midline mark there. And 
anybody who scores in the thirties, that makes for a very good episode. So I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. <laughs> All right. You think that's accurate or you think it's a little high? I, yeah, I think that actually might be a little high. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But you know, it's it's all up to up to you. You're the sole judge, so that's right. There's no here. there's no appeal. You can't appeal yeah. your score, and yeah. in in fact, that score can, can adjust upwards or downwards uh, as as the podcast episode goes along here. So okay, all right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. I'd uh, love yeah. to hear where you, where you grew up, what your background was, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid, and how how and when did you decide that this whole through hiking thing was a, a good thing to do. Uh, yeah, I grew up in, uh, well, I was born and raised in the city of Chicago and, uh, spent like my most formative years in rural, uh, Illinois. So home of the pretzels, Freeport, Illinois, that's me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, my, my folks weren't all that outdoorsy. Uh, my best friend growing up Jones, uh, he and his family did a lot of like hiking, canoeing, um, his dad was a big fly fisher. Uh, his dad, Kent is probably, it was one of the bigger influences growing up. And, you know, that's how like a lot of people get into these outdoor activities, right? It's like family, you know, it's like, right. that's one of the, the main ways, you know, it's true. It's passed down. It's a generational thing. Um, other, of course, other folks discover it later in life. Um, I was really lucky to have meet the, meet a homie, meet a friend and his family did this. So that's like, you know, I'm just like, Oh, not everyone goes and like does little day hikes in this little state park, you know, 45 minutes away. And, uh, yeah, big shout out to Kent Johnson. He just, uh, that was my best friend's dad, uh, growing up and he actually just passed away. So I've been thinking a lot about him and, you know, going on all kinds of adventures and definitely helped foster that sense of adventure. Um, but yeah, me, I, I got into a literal argument with my friend Jones that there couldn't be a trail longer than a hundred miles. And his pops can't like, he's like, no, no, my dad was telling me about this thing. And we're, we're in rural Illinois and he gets his dad and is like, his dad literally pulls out an encyclopedia and it's like, yeah, the Appalachian trail, here it is. This is, I was like probably eight or nine. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just like that when I grow up. That's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, went on a couple like really small backpacking trips with him and um, through, through another uh, mentor, this guy, uh, Mike rule. And, you know, went to the Smokies, um, did some uh, fair amount of hiking in the Midwest. Uh, But yeah, the great Smoky mountains national park. That was the first time I stepped on the Appalachian trail I was like eighth grade and always tried to go back there, you know, as I got older and like got to drive places and got to, you know, choose things. Um, then growing up, yeah, I just uh, was pretty, just like to be outside skateboarding, snowboarding, even in the Midwest, there's, there's places to snowboard. Um, and uh yeah, I worked at a, a summer, a various summer camps growing up. So, you know, spent a lot of time outside. Um, that was pretty important to me. And yeah, once graduated college, when, uh, when walked, walked from Georgia, Maine. Okay. Now I love, I love hearing about that moment when, when someone learns that there is this, this long trail out there, whether it be the AT or the PCT or even the CDT. 
And it kind of uh, gets into their brain and festers there for a while. And uh, eventually they act on it. I mean, so many people have, have told me that, they, you know, they heard about this, they thought about it for su- such a long time and they decided, you know what, this is something I have to do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like bipedal humans have been traveling under their own foot power longer than the car has even existed. Right. Like <laughs> we are not in the, cr- the, the cr- cradle of civilization here in North America. Right. Like, our ancestors a long time ago walked here of the human race, you know? Right. So like, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, it's like that, you know, humans love to look and gaze into the fire. Right. Like it's just inherently like this, you know, Oh wow. This is, we can cook, we can provide, you know, warmth ourselves, et cetera. Like walking is, I truly feel like for me, like, it's just like, yep. Our species walks, man. <laughs> you know, I like I that. like walking. I like that pretzel. I mean, we we we've had two hundred plus episodes, and I don't think I've heard somebody express it quite that way. That you know, by walking out in nature, by gazing into the fire, we, it, it's kind of like we're reconnecting with our our primitive instinctive selves. There's some kind of uh, uh, connection there. Oh yeah, and uh, just you know, I mean, just I, I love traveling at the you know, and like, even if you walk a little bit faster, you're still going pretty damn slow. <laughs> Considering you can, you know, be in a helicopter or be in a vehicle or a plane, you know, like going pretty slow. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm okay. sorry. What was the, what was the question? No, we this got it. You, you did it. You okay. did it. Yeah, we're, we're good. That's good. Okay. So what are you doing currently to pay the bills? How do you, how do you finance your adventures? Um, I've done uh, a lot of things, um, to do that. I worked, uh, as an outdoor education instructor in, uh, Western Michigan. Um, and what's awesome about this facility and many of facilities like it, uh, you get to be in a generally pretty cool place. You get to, you know, do, you know, I love instructing and teaching things. That's like an interest of mine. Um, but you get to be outside all the time food is provided generally at my place. There's like no bills associated there. So I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was able to stack a lot of money. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, at where I live here in Montana, I mean, rent just soul crushing. Right. And, uh, yeah, wasn't, didn't have any bills. <laughs> so that was made it really easy. Um, and with a lot of access to federal land there and the man here on Manistee national forest. So lots of running, Lots of hiking, got to keep my hiking fitness up. So, um, pretzel, worked, uh, pretzel, were you uh, were you serious about soul crushing rent in Montana, or are you, are you joking? Oh no, very very serious, very serious. There's oh. a there's a rent uh, a rent or a, a, a rent control problem there. Oh, dude, it like uh, it is. I've had, I've been here since 2000 or 2018, and. I was just thinking about like, wow, I've, I've had so many friends like have to move away. Cause like, it's just so expensive living here and it was already expensive. And then of course, COVID, you know, working remotely, et cetera. And it's, it's just fake where I live. Uh, uh, it's just kind of vacation land. And so, you know, there's a lot of folks, a lot of folks get really upset when they go to the bar and they can't get anyone to pour their drink or pull that uh, shot of espresso the following morning. And it's just like, well, yeah, man, no one can afford, no one that works, you know, these jobs can afford to live here. 
Um, so it, it's, uh, yeah. It's, wow. Uh, I, I had no idea. You know, I live in Southern California and yeah. you know, we're, we're still paying close to, you know, six bucks a, a gallon for gas right. and, um, you know, housing prices and, uh, rents around here. You know, we, we deal with teachers in our educational system who can't afford to live in our community. And so it's, oh. uh, it, you know, it's a big, big issue. I had no idea that the same, the same condition existed in Montana. I just, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't jive with me. Yeah. The, um, that has been a really big issue. Um, it, it's obviously like we're dealing with smaller numbers, right? But I think the median uh, house sale in Bozeman, Montana this spring was $900,000. And, you know, you have people, you have people there just saying, hey, here's cash for a mill. And so it's just like, how is someone, you know, how does anyone compete with that? Right. Right. I'm like, how you know we don't value uh, we we don't value we we don't show that we value our educators by paying you know paying them such little wages like how's how's a teacher right how's a how's a nurse supposed to like come up with that money or rent you know it's right. uh, yeah I mean it, it's not uncommon to be fi- uh, fifteen hundred bucks for for a room mm-hmm. in Bozeman with with multiple roommates mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Got it. And we didn't talk about your side gig. I don't, I don't know if it's your side gig. Maybe it's your main gig. Uh, yeah. Wild, wildland firefighting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, you do, uh, do you that on the side or is that a seasonal thing or yeah. how's that work? Oh, uh, that's my, that's my, uh, I guess. Yeah. So we got way, imagine that a millennial complaining about housing. Um, <laughs> imagine that. How did we get here? Um, but yeah, no. So I worked for a number of years, um, as a outdoor education instructor mm-hmm. and I got on with the Appalachian trail conservancy and led trail crews, uh, in the great smoky mountains national park Fantastic. for the ATC. Mm-hmm. And that led me into federal service. Um, so I worked, uh, for big bend national park on their trail crew. And I've since made the jump the last five years, um, working federally for, as a wildland firefighter. Okay. And we'll, yeah. we'll hear some more about that experience a little bit later. Uh, next, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, your experience in becoming a triple crowner. Here's some, some tales of excitement uh, from those three trails, as, long, as well as what, what else you've been up to lately. And then we'll right. also talk about uh, some firefighting stuff. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. 
with the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it. Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We were talking to Matt Pretzel Mason, and we heard about him growing up and getting the bug when as, as early as eight years old, hearing about the, the AT. And let's talk about your, your first hike, your first long trail hike, which was the AT back in 2012, 10 years yeah. ago. It was, yeah. Um, I started uh, February 29th solely because I don't, I think as a... <laughs> As a human being, I think uh, Earth or uh, Earth Day. Uh, I think Leap Day is like an interesting thing. You know, they figured that out like without computers or an iPhone. <laughs> like I, that blows my mind as a simpleton. Um, but yeah, I was just like, well, why why would I start March first when I could start February 29th? So nice. boom. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've actually I've only had two anniversaries of my um at hike oh there you go it's not 10 years ago it's just uh, yeah. a couple yeah. of leap cycles ago so yeah, yeah it's only two leaps, <laughs> leap days ago uh but um yeah that was um you know I'd, I'd gone on definitely other overnight trips um canoeing uh trips and some a lot, fair amount of car camping and mm-hmm. some very short uh like backpacking trips in college and then you know growing up um but now, uh, now we know that your pack had evolved down to six plus pounds mm-hmm. um, on the, was it the CDT? What, what did yeah. the, what did the pack weigh when you showed up to Springer? Um, I, I don't like have those numbers off the top of my head, but I, you know, I had a pretty like just, I'll say standard, you know, wasn't, wasn't heavy. Um, uh, but you know, I was not serious about it. And I also had minimal money. You know, so I like, I just was like, I just need to get some gear. Right. And I was like trying to buy some things that were lighter, but like, just was like, I need to get some gear. Um, and it was, you know, I, I have a degree in outdoor recreation management. And so like some, it was, I was trying to like not fall into the, like, 
carry everything, the kitchen sink, right? You know, um, so like a lot of the items that I had just like didn't make sense weight wise. Um, so I just kind of, you know, got a basic load. I think it was probably 15 pounds would have been my base weight. So add, add 10 pounds of food there, probably fully loaded at 25 pounds. Um, I did get an A, an A plus, um, from, uh, one of the workers, uh, Jason at, uh, mountain crossings, the outfitter that's located 30 miles and then, uh, up the trail. And then a couple years later, I ended up, he was my boss and <laughs> I, I worked there for a number of long distance hiking seasons. Um, now, but also he, yeah. So I love the fact that you got your degree in outdoor recreation management. I talked to so many people who have all kinds of different degrees and have decided to, mm-hmm. to go out and just uh, live this life on the trail, this life of, of adventure. And I, I, I feel like still, some of them feel guilty that they, they went and they, they got this degree in accounting or in finance or, or you, uh, you know, political relations, whatever the degree might be. Yeah. And they feel like I am not using that. You know, I spent all that money on it. And here you are, you, you got your degree and you're putting it to use. I mean, that's perfect. Oh, what a combo. I, I, I did a lot of any uh, hard skills, real, you know, soft skills versus hard skills, like all those hard skills. Like I remember going on a backpacking trip, for, like a class that was like, you know, I was being graded. I got in trouble for, it was raining and I was like overheating in my rain jacket because rain jackets aren't great. I don't care what rain jacket is. It's just not that great. And I got in trouble for not wearing a rain jacket while it was raining because it's, you know, they're managing 10 college students with varying degrees. Like sometimes this might've been like people's first time sleeping outside. And then there's like, you know, a lot more seasoned people just within these 10 people. And, you know, there's just all these things like, Oh, you can never do this. You must do this. And it all like, yeah, in a group setting, right? Like in a group setting with the idea of like, my professor's in charge of all of these people's safety, right? Like, of course he wants to make sure I don't get cold, right? But like, I'm a sweaty bastard. So I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. And then I did a malicious compliance. I just took my shirt off and then put my rain jacket on. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's just like, there's a lot of like unlearning stuff like that. Like, you know, long distance hiking is a different beast than, you know, managing and like guiding a group on a backpacking trip. Right. Like I get to make more calculated, more calculated risky decisions than you would ever want to do if you were guiding someone, um, you know, uh, yeah. so you, you can certainly, you can certainly turn a phrase. I love that malicious compliance. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm going to have to use that. I'm going to have to use that in my, in my own line of work. That's great. Okay, perfect. Now that I did, I did not coin that, that that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the, the thing that uh, my degree and background uh, was able to set me aside was like, I would be among talking to other hikers on long trails and they couldn't tell you the difference between Bureau of Land Management the forest service, the park service, oh, parks, they, they have camping regulations. That's kind of, you know, they couldn't tell you what department uh, they were with, you know, is it the department of interior department of agriculture. They couldn't tell you anything about the wilderness act. And of course there, there's definitely people um, that, you know, were in the know. And I think education wise, like people are learning more about the land that they're actually traveling on. Um, and the different land management agencies, but, you know, like 
I took a land management agency like course, you know, that lined all this stuff out. So um, I think that's where some of that comes in. Uh, but hey, quick, as far as uh, like quick, quick flash to our uh, listeners out there, if you are listening to this episode, you will receive five credits five university credits because I feel like I'm talking to a scholar right now. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. <laughs> you can, you can submit this for college credit as a, uh, as a bonus. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I, I mean, I think that's important, right? So like the, uh, you know, the land that you're traveling on, right. They're going to have different, different uh, strategies that that agency thinks is going to work best to protect it mm-hmm. um, and balancing all of those things, you know, um, so well, before I, before I jumped in and, and derailed us, uh, we, yes. were, we were going to talk about the AT. Yes. And- um, I love uh, the Appalachian mountain range is 409 million years old, right? It's the oldest range on this continent. Um, it, it's awesome. I, I, I had loved my Appalachian trail experience. Um, it, this makes me sound old, uh, but yeah, like I hiked it with the, a flip phone that didn't even have texting, which was like, I just did, I was cheap and didn't have texting. Everyone had, everyone was texting in 2012, not me though. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, just, it was definitely like a, a, felt like a little bit of a different time, uh, compared to like when I hiked the Continental Divide Trail in 2019. Um, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, it was something that, uh, I'd been thinking about since I was like eight years old, even though I had no connection to that land. It just was a stupid childhood argument um, that uh, helped me learn about it. And uh, now, when you yeah, talk yeah. about the when you talk about the AT with your friends and family, what is what are what are some of your favorite stories, your favorite moments from that trail? Um, hmm. I, I don't. I'll. <laughs> So uh, I'd, I'd been hiking. I, I'd met this, uh, my Jerusalem cruiser, JC, met him pretty early on the trail. And we hiked a couple hundred miles together. And we hiked up above, uh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was out uh, the Nantahala Outdoor Center. So it's a pretty brutal, um, classic east southeast climb, you know, super, super steep uh, climb out of there. And they wanted to cut him and his buddy wanted to cowboy camp. Like they were dead set on it. And I was like, ah, this is a pretty cool bald. And you can see this beautiful, you know, the, the, the Milky way was awesome. I was like, I think I'm just going to set up my tent. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I just hear, Oh shit, shit, shit. And I, I was like, what's going on. And like, I hear all this rain, it's just pouring. And I like peek out from underneath my, my tent's vestibule. And I see a, my buddies there just like they're soaking wet soaking wet and i'm just ah and i hear them packing up i was like okay so i just casually deflate my pad you know start trying to you know get it all warm you know put together and i just uh, we call that uh the the chiowa bald incident me and my buddy um and re- reference that all the time. Like, ah, oh, we don't want to have any Chiwa Balls uh, kind of situations on this. Let's, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, and it was just like one of those funny, funny things. And like somehow I've cowboy camped a bunch since then and I've never gotten rained on. So I don't know. <laughs> dumb, dumb luck. <laughs> luck of the pretzel. Very yeah. good. Um, 
Yeah, I just I enjoyed uh, that. You know, I I remember a couple times wanting to like truly quit uh, that trail, and it turns out um, if you don't drink water, you get really dehydrated, and everything gets really hard. <laughs> I've, and that's I've heard that. that. I've heard that. Yeah. 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 I've, you know, I'm, I'm not a scholar as much as you tried to give me credit back there. Uh, but I do know that from personal experience that if you don't drink enough water, you get really dehydrated. Uh, so I remember somewhere in New York truly thinking like, I'm, I'm going to walk and in, into a town and quit. Like I just felt so drained. And, uh, there's this, uh, New York hiker. He's kind of, you know, famous. This guy patio comes in. He's like, Hey man, you need, you need a Gatorade. He's like, actually you need two. And I just, I literally just took, took like 20 seconds, just crushed one of the a whole liter of Gatorade and was like, Oh my gosh. Yep. That was it. That was it. I needed. And I think I'd been using like uh, Aquamira, like a chemical treatment for water. And eventually I could start to taste it. And that was what like, I was like, oh, I don't want to drink this pool water. And I think there it was just like kind of subconsciously, I was just drinking less water because um, it tasted like a chlorine pool. Uh, so yeah, so, so that's and, like a pro tip right there. It's a it's a you know drink drink water so you don't get dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, 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 nice. Hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I literally went into the next town. And it was like uh, this this new product had come out while I'd been on the trail. It was called the Sawyer Squeeze. <laughs> and bought a Sawyer squeeze and the rest is history. So, um, now at what yeah. point, at what point in your AT hike, did you realize that you were going to do the, the PCT? Um, my first day, I actually met this woman. Um, I could tell she was like kind of a big deal. Um, at the hostel that I was staying at, uh, that no longer exists it's called the hiker hostel. The owners seemed to know her and they were chit chatting. I could just tell kind of old guard, um, hiker folks and whatever. She took my photo at Springer and, you know, we started walking and I could tell she was like keeping her cards close. I was just like, yeah, Yogi, just tell me what you do for a living. Like I can tell you're She's like, well, I'm a waitress and I write I write a guidebook about the Pacific Crest Trail and in a handbook, and she didn't say guidebook, handbook and, and the Continental Divide Trail. I was like, oh my gosh, I could never hike that trail. Like I'm just a dumb kid from the Midwest. Like I don't know about like high alpine environments and you know, like the desert. I've never been to a desert, you know? And uh, well, uh, she's like, oh, you could totally do it. I was just like you, you could totally do it. And so like day one from the Appalachian Trail, I met this like, pretty well-known famous long distance hiker. And she's like, Oh yeah, you could do it. And so, you was know, that, I, I, was that Winker? No, it was Yogi. Yogi, Yogi. Got yeah. it. Um, Jennifer, I can't remember her last name, but you know, she, that for a, a very long, a good, like 12, 15 years, like her data, uh, book, uh, it was like, I think it's called the PCT handbook had like a town guide and some, some desert guide stuff. And it was, everyone bought the book. Um, and Got obviously it. with the landscapes changed a lot. Um, just like, you know, now there's a lot more resources, but I mean, that woman, when she hiked, I think she hiked the AT in 99 or 97, she got library books on interlibrary loan 
And that's how she learned about like what she needed to do on the AT. Right. So like now I'm sure there are people, the only preparation they've ever done for a big long trail has been like what they see on Instagram. And they probably, they probably walked from wherever to wherever they probably, you know, it's just right. Things change. Um, Things do change. uh, I mean, the world is a much different place than it was 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, just the, 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 the rate, the, how fast information can spread. I mean, it's awesome. It, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely beneficial. And like, you know, you, and I think that's, it's so easy. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons I personally think um, long distance hiking specifically has like really blown up is it's just, you used, it was really hard to find out about this and then find the information. And now, I mean, there's, I swear every year I found out, Oh, there's another website person that like has this incredible immaculate website with all this great data on it. And it's just like, huh, I've never heard of this. Cool. This is, you know, this is great. This is a great time to be alive. <laughs> That's right. Now, when you said Yogi, I thought you were, you were just being sarcastic with her. Like you obviously know a lot of information. Yogi, tell me, right. tell me, yeah. you know, uh, let me learn from you. Yeah. Oh no. It's a Yogi, like Yogi, the bear. Got it. Yep. Got is, it. is the origins of her. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn about yourself on the AT? After, um, after you finished, after you finished looking back, I mean, was there any kind of uh, realization, any light bulbs go off about, you know, what your inner, inner makings uh, consisted of? You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I learned that I can eat a large pizza at a restaurant and think about like, what are we going to have for dinner and dessert? Like after hiking 20 miles and like the hot, humid, hot, humid, like East coast. Um, so that's, that's like, that doesn't sound like peak, at peak athleticism, but it kind of felt like it. <laughs> um, but I, I think the biggest takeaway, um, especially from the Appalachian trail was there's a lot of different ways to live a life. Um, I just, you know, I'd grown, grown up in a relatively small Midwest town and like all of the adults that I knew were all, of my parents' friends or like my friends' parents or like my aunts and uncles and all had like a traditional life, right? Um, and then I met people from all around the world and they were, we were all decided that it would be fun to go walk across America um, and every different walk of life, you know? And it's like, huh, yeah, you don't have to like get married at 25 and have 2.1 kids, you know, and like a white picket fence. Also, that's cool if you want to do that. That actually sounds, this be great. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just, I think it really opened my, like, wow, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to live a life um, from the people you meet in towns, you know, the folks that help maintain and build the trail and, um, you know, uh, yeah. So, and well, just, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know what pretzel, I've asked that question a lot of times, as you might imagine, and I've heard a lot of things. And uh, the way you put it, you know, the non-traditional life choices, uh, Mm. there's more than one way to live a life. I mean, that, that is a bit profound. I I, I am really impressed and I'm, I'm, I'm not moving off the claim that, you know, the listeners will get college credit for this because I think, I think we're all learning a lot right here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what struck you about the difference between the, uh, the PCT and the AT? So you, you did the PCT three years later. Yep. Um, I was actually supposed to hike the CDT in 2015. 
Um, but a friend of mine texted me and was like, hey, they're making this movie with Reese Witherspoon about that trail you hiked a couple years ago. And I was like, about the AT? Huh. And I was just like, oh, she doesn't long trails, whatever I, you know, they didn't know. And I was like, oh shit. And I, I literally was like, had all this data. I had some maps printed out, ready to roll for the CDT. And I'm like on a different, and I just literally set that aside, went online, got Yogi's Pacific Crest Trail handbook, got that. And was just like, oh, cause it's going to blow up. Right. Um, and I mean, regardless of that film, you know, there just been steady increases in use uh, visitors on all of these long trails. So it's just, you know, it's going to happen one way or the other. Um, and yeah, I think the, you know, the biggest thing, like, you know, water, right. Like water on the Appalachian trail. I mean, it, it's, you know, you, you go through places that are literally a temperate rainforest in the great Smoky mountains national park. Um, and then, you know, the first, you know, 700 ish miles is very arid on, um, you know, it's not true. Parts of it aren't actually a desert, but like, there's not a lot of water. <laughs> um, I'm not an ecologist, but I do know that there's not shit for water for 700 and change. Um, and so that was uh, like adjusting that and, uh, and learning how like my body was going to work in those environments and figuring out like what works for me water wise, you know, and, and like, there's no way you can prepare for that. You can look at gear lists, you can get, you can, um, you know, like come physically trained, like if you don't live in a desert area, like how are you, how do you know, like how many, when it's 105 degrees out, how many liters per hour you need, right? And like, yeah, that's just experience. Um, so that, I think that was like a, a big, big issue. Um, navigation wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty fluid with a map. And uh, so I didn't have any issues with that. And I'm sure it's changed a lot, uh, changed more, you know, like a more consistent route and with like people using um, smartphones with apps and stuff, like makes nav a lot easier. And that was one of my things. I just, every trail I've done, I've always tried to uh, not, or try to like add a skill, do something different with it um, to, to like, you know, intentionally do that. So that's what I want. I, my thing on the PCT was I didn't use any, uh, water cash. That was like kind of my thing. So if I Liberty spring in, uh, which is like about a mile off trail, um, dried up in 2015 is the, you know, there's another drought year in California. Imagine that. Yeah. That's as a firefighter as a firefighter and a hiker. Imagine that yeah. California's dry again. Um, so that was one of those things. And that was like pushing myself to, to, you know, like if you're in the desert, there's no water in the desert. And, but, you know, being responsible for, for my well um, not, of course I like, I wasn't going to literally die or go to the hospital to prove myself uh, <laughs> on that. That, that would have been stupid. I would have gladly drank from a water cache um, and was prepared to do so, but I just planned, planned accordingly. Um, of course, you know, like, I, one of my favorite bands of all time is this uh, little hardcore punk band called Minor Threat from Washington, D.C. from the 80s. But also one of my favorite bands is like the Drive-By Truckers from like North Alabama uh, or from Athens, Georgia. And they sound too, I love them equally, but they don't sound at, at all. Well, you know, there's, they don't, they, there's no crossover, right? So like 
I don't know, comparing the Appalachian Trail, comparing the Pacific Crest Trail, or any other long trails for that matter, like it really is an apples and oranges thing. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think from like a preparation standpoint, of Mm -hmm. course, like if you take your, your PCT gear list and go to any other place that isn't the PCT, like it might not train, it's probably not going to translate. You know, if you take your PCT mindset of like perfect graded trail at a 10% grade for a horse and, you know, epic views and da, 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 da. And you like go, you know, hike the high plains trail in, in the plains in North Dakota, you're going to have a horrible experience, right? Cause all your, all that stuff isn't going to work in that environment. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the, the biggest thing was obviously water and right. like a, above tree line. Um, and then changing how you hike during the day. Right. So like I would wake up as early as I physically could, um, and I'm not a morning person, but I'd like five o'clock, I'd be trying to be rolling, walk until it got too hot. And then I'd shade up and then walk into the night to like still get that mileage that made sense. Um, I thought the, the resupplying on the PCT was a lot easier because it's just kind of like a hundred miles between every town. I mean, it, it was on the Appalachian trail. There's so many ways. I mean, in Georgia, there's multiple places you can get off within that first less than 90 miles to resupply, you know? And so it's just like, Oh, should I do that? Should I do that? And it's just like, no, man, like most people send a box to Warner Springs, 109 miles. So I was like, okay, here's 109 miles. <laughs> I'm at the border. Like, and then you just keep doing hundred miles sections, which I, I thought was convenient. Took a little bit of the thought out of it. Um, yeah, I told my wife, Mrs. Doc, I said, you know, I could section hike the PCT just do a hundred miles at a time. And, you know, 26 yeah. summers, I'd be done. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all. Just walking. Now, any type two fun out there on the PCT? Um, yeah, I'm, oh man, I, I had a, uh, I'd never had a sinus infection before in my entire life. And I was walking into the Sierra and I, I like, I thought my head was going to explode and, and I'm not, you know, I'm that asshole that never gets sick. Right. Um, and so I was like, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong? And I remember bailing into, um, uh, in Lone Pine or independence mm-hmm. coming off. We like, rolled down to some remote trailhead and, you know, after an hour or so, someone finally came up and like, please take us to town. Sorry, I'm really sick. And like, I was getting these nosebleeds and, uh, you know, that was just like, I'd, I'd never been sick and I'd never had a sinus infection. And I went to, you know, like a, uh, a quick care place. And the woman was like, Whoa, yeah, yeah. That's a sinus infection there. She's like, there you go. I was like, I was like, probably the best 150 bucks I've ever spent on any long trail was that appointment and those, uh, that prescription. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, now I know um, that you'd already been planning for the CDT. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of put those, those plans aside and did the PCT. So you, you probably, probably knew early on that you wanted to be a triple crowner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, uh, I, I just loved walking with a backpack on my back and, and like going from A to B. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've, I hiked the long trail in 2013 and uh, Colorado 14. 
Um, and those, you know, had different aspects, right. Uh, that I was like trying to, you know, like build my, my skill sets, um, my hard skills. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I just, I def, I just wanted to hike, you know, and it, I had the opportunity to hike the Colorado trail. My buddy was going to hike it and then get his mountain bike in Durango and mountain bike back. And so I was like, well, I'll join you on the first half. <laughs> um, so like just having that, like a life of, of adventure and pursuing things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, it's so easy to get focused, especially you see all these people. Oh, I threw hike this, I did my triple crown in three years. Like I want to have a life of like being outside, pursuing, traveling under my own power. Um, so not, not to take anything away from the triple crown of hiking, but I, I just want to con- continue that as long as my body will allow. Yeah. I mean, just looking at your hiking resume, the AT in, in uh, 2012, the long trail in 2013, Colorado trail, 2014, PCT, 2015, Lone Star hiking trail, 2016, uh, Tahoe rim trail, 2017. I'll, I'll interrupt you with that. Yeah. Had I known had I known it that like how what it would have I've gotten myself into, I I would have literally just gone and ran it, or ran just ran the whole thing, and just had a friend meet me midway, instead of trying to do like a hike, it, it like a, as a through hike, I, it um, because that would have just been different, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's I don't know, it, it seems somewhat silly to call a something less than a hundred miles of through hike, but you know, like, I, I don't know when the, I don't care what the cutoff is, but for like me personally, I was just, eh, it's not very long, but you know, just a, a very fast and long backpacking trip. <laughs> right. Right. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. And then you did the, the CDT in 2019. And I know just recently you did the superior hiking trail. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I got to walk, I got to hit peak fall in the Midwest. So walking through Aspens, walking through sugar maples, red oaks, white oaks. Um, it, it was awesome. Um, when I hiked the uh, long trail, just because of the my buddy that I was hiking with it, um, I, we started mid-October. So when I when the uh, sun came up, I took the train from Chicago, the sun came up in New York and like all the leaves were off the trees. I was like, Oh, I just guess I don't get a fall this year. <laughs> uh, and I knew, I knew that we weren't going to see any foliage on the long trail, but it was just, uh, it was really cool to get to walk uh, through Minnesota and peak fall and no bugs. Um, Minnesota is like, uh, you're right along. Uh, you're relatively close to the uh, Lake Superior, which I gr- learned how to walk on the shores of Lake Michigan. So like, Great Lakes have always been part of my life. Um, and it was just cool to have one right there along with me and uh, seeing that every day. Fantastic. Now, Pretzel, I, I'm, I'm inventing a new segment, a brand new segment for the, for the <laughs> podcast right now, right here with you. You're, you're getting my, okay. my, my first experiment on well, this. Okay. I'm going to hold on. I don't want to lose the. I'm just going to crack a cold one here. Oh, perfect. Little, you're you're going to need one. This is not an ad, but I would take uh-huh. a sponsorship from LaCroix. Okay. All right. You got that. You got that hydration in there. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so the new segment I'm going to do, you've had so many experiences out there on the trail, a lot of miles under your trail runners. What is your, your biggest hiker trash moment? I, I can already hear the, the intro from half calf on this one hiker trash moment uh, of some sort there. 
Of all of all the time out there, hiker trash. What's your biggest hiker trash moment? IB Tat uh, kind of def- said you could not you could not be considered hiker trash until you had spent the night in a porta potty. That kind of gives you the flavor for our listeners out there thinking, oh, what 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 is hiker trash? Yeah. What does that what does that yeah. mean? So, do yeah. you have any any moment that immediately pops to mind? I mean, I've uh, yeah, I've I've spent uh, many uh, more than a couple nights on both sides of the divide um, in in porta potties or public restrooms. So, you know, Hey, a, a warm place when it's mosquito infested or super cold, uh, you know, you can't pass that up. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's just one of my, that would be, it would just, uh, on, I remember just being swarmed by mosquitoes in, uh, Northern Colorado, just north of, or in the near the Never Summer Range, um, on the Continental Divide, and went to some campground. It had a pump, and I was just getting destroyed. And you know, I'm lathered up in deep, and you know, like had had my wind pants on and had my rain jacket on, but it was like 80 degrees out, just trying to avoid it. And yeah, slept in slept in a privy, you know, or slept in a you know the classic Forest Service vault toilet. Um, but yeah, and for any any uh, any uh, big Agnes dorks out there, um, it was at the Seed House campground, and um, Big Agnes has a tent called the Seed House. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a dork and like place names. <laughs> nice. All right. Hey, um, let's let's. Yeah, well, I don't know. I go ahead. Oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I don't. I don't interrupt. Um. Yeah, I don't. I think I can't. I wish I would have thought about this a little or had a little more time to prepare, uh, you know, very hiker trash, uh, moments, but yeah, I, I just, yeah. Sleeping in porta bodies or in a privy is, is the move. Okay. Nice. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about firefighting and, uh, mm-hmm. and the impact. It seems like the last few years, there's been a bigger and bigger impact with wildland fires and how that impacts through hikers, especially here, uh, on the West coast with the PCT. Uh, yeah. It seems like there's always a closure. There's always something going on that hikers have to deal with and having to, you know, yo-yo and, and uh, get off trail, get back on trail. just to, you know, not, not to mention the impact on the environment. And so before we get into this segment, I want to read a little disclaimer here that the views and opinions of this guest do not reflect the views or opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the National Park Service, the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, Bureau of Land Management, or any private municipal, county, state firefighting organization. So with that being said, Pretzel, you are free to discuss your own personal opinion and views and experiences with wildland firefighting. What's what's going on out there? Yeah, uh, like uh, fire has been shaping the landscape on um, this continent since uh, fire, since the beginning of time. Um, and so fire inherently isn't bad. Uh, a lot of ecosystems need fire to, uh, to, to exist. Right. Um, that's like something indigenous people knew from the jump. We're preparing hunting grounds. Um, and it's a great way for the environment to like nourish itself. Um, yeah. So the, uh, as far as it affecting, uh, you know, there's over 6,000 incidents, um, that's what the government speak for fires. Um, over 6,000 fires every year, 
we tend to only hear about the big ones, right? When it's going to barrel down some small suburban town or, you know, a billionaire's third home is threatened. Um, but most of the fires uh, that happened in this country are smaller than your living room. Uh, we, some, they're called single tree fires, where it's like literally one tree is on fire. Um, but what has happened, and there, there's lots of data, and, and I am not a, I'm not a fire ecologist. I am not a climate uh, scientist. I'm a knuckle dragger with a tool. That's what I do for a living. Um, so I, there's so much, there's so many more people and much more educated folks um, that could really line this out. But in the last 30 years, there's been this incredible intensity and in ramping up of these uh, mega fires, these large scale fires that are, that are like, it's hard to conceive. It's hard to conceive a hundred thousand acre fire. That's what used to be considered you know, 20 years ago, that was a large fire. And now a hundred thousand acres, that's nothing. That, that's rookie numbers. Right. Pump those numbers up, you know, like, I mean, California, there was a four or five year stretch where California kept on breaking its highest acres burned in a single fire with multiple fires throughout the summer. You know, like that's a problem. I mean, I think about six rivers, national forest um, in NorCal, I mean, like I kind of like amongst fire friends and I were like, is, is there anything else left to burn in that forest? Like, isn't it all just a burn scar? Like, you know, and, and uh, so, right. So like human caused climate change, we're exacerbating this and like hotter and drier weather attempts, more um, explosive weather, like on swings in both directions, right. Um, or like affecting how fires work and, we can predict fire behavior based on uh, just modeling. And again, this is like, I'm a knuckle dragger. I'm in there doing, doing work. Um, I'm not like a scientist, but those models are based on decades of data. But when, as climate change is affecting us in the real time, those models don't exist anymore. It's a model that's pointless and there's no re like it, it just, we don't know how this fire is going to react with these types of winds. Historically, it would have probably done this, but now we don't have, we don't have as much, uh, we don't have that skill set to kind of predict that. Um, and yeah, so how it affects hikers, right? So like closures, it just adds a whole ripple, a really just into your whole hike. Um, and I, as a hiker and a wildland firefighter, like see both, right? Like no one's little six month hike matters when there's people's homes burning down. Right. Like that. I mean, I, I, I have seen that, but I have never, I've seen that and fought fires um, that have like a lot of uh, structures lost, but I've never been on, I've never had a structure lost like that I owned. Right. Um, but it, it's so funny. It was just like, man, some of this stuff is just like hiking seems to like kind of take a back seat real quick. Like, Dude, just figure it out. Um, it's a long distance hiker. I totally understand wanting to go for your hike, right? But the worst thing you can do as a long distance hiker is to walk through a, a fire closure. Like you can kill yourself or you could kill someone that has to go in and rescue you. That's right. Um, so like, that's like whatever, whatever the 
you know, Continental Divide Trail Coalition or the Pacific Crest Trail Association or the local national forest is recommending, do that. Um, and it sucks, but that is what is, that's the future, right? Like I, I'll never have a fastest known time of, that means anything. I might be able to weak out, uh, squeak out a little one somewhere on some trail um, that no one cares about. Um, but like, I really feel like the Pacific Crest Trail fastest known time that game is going to it if you have a hundred mile fire closure how how can you get the fkt right um and so like it's just that's changing that and uh you know that's a it's very small-minded that's even a more fkts are even more niche than long distance hiking right um but yeah it's just interesting in the just the pure luck uh that um, you have to have on any big adventure for things to go right. And then you throw in a fire um, that is just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you can't plan for that. But that's one of the skills, one of the most valuable skills I have learned my whole life is from long distance hiking is you're there when you're there and figure it out. Right. Yep. So I, I, oh, this place is awesome. This view on this room zone. And you get there and the weather's crap. And it's raining sideways. Hey, you're there when you're there. Um, and just like having, you know, being flexible, right? So if that, I love, nothing made me more excited. I saw some photographs of like folks that I don't, I don't know, but you know, there's a bunch of fire closures in Northern Washington that locked people out from uh, finishing at, uh, at the border along, along uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. And I saw photos of like all kinds of folks that had like made little cardboard signs of the monument or like made one out of two by fours or whatever. And like, that's their hike. And that's awesome. Like, absolutely. I'm sure like as someone like that can relate, that must've really sucked at some point for them. But like, I think if you can, you can, yeah, if you found, you had a couple hiking friends out there, you could definitely make like, a horrible 300 mile road walk fun, <laughs> you know, like, Hey man, we're here when we're here. Like, um, and just, yeah, have, having that positive mental attitude about it. Like that, that's how I, I really think like people can accomplish these trails. Just having that positive mental attitude, like I can do it. Fantastic. I know like it's, gets off from like fire. That's okay. Um, no, I think it ties right in. That's, that's fantastic advice. Uh, you got to figure it out. Like Mike Tyson said, uh, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. You got to be flexible yeah. and you got to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, these, these trails, like trails don't care about our plans and our, our ideas of what we thought this experience was going to be like, whether they don't care, um, you know, and, and with the, with, yeah, wild and fire. I mean, it's, uh, it's a different, if it's definitely a different ball game and like being from the Midwest, like, um, historically there, there aren't a lot of like wildfires, um, in the East, the, the environment doesn't really allow it really like wet, damp conditions there, the, the humidity, like I thought because of Smoky Bear, like if one spark escaped my Midwest campfire, like the whole town was going to burn down. Like, no, 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 <laughs> you could just dump diesel on the ground and not burn anything, but the diesel, like it's so wet out there. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the, you know, the future of, uh, of the PCT, you know, it, and just getting that continuous, uh, hike, I, I think that's really starting to become a thing of the past. And 
I wish it were different, but, you know, I think just to, uh, as a hiker, you know, just adjusting your, uh, your thoughts on what that's going to look like and being just like from the jump, from wherever you start knowing like, Hey, I might have to take a different route. I might have to road walk or the road walks look so heinous and dangerous. It could be safer. It's a better risk management to take the dang car and skip, you know, the, the, whatever. Cause you know, sometimes these, these land managers, they know what they're talking about. Like they're, they're not like out there just closing sections of hiking trails. It's a big deal to do that. Um, I know a lot of people don't think that like local forest service, you know, like district rangers aren't like, Oh, we'll just close all the hiking trails. Like they would, yeah, they can't do that. Um, so when they have to close it, they they're closing it for a reason, whether it be a wildfire or, you know, like, uh, you know, the endangered species act where it doesn't make sense to have like thousands of people on this section of trail for trying to protect, you know, certain species. Um, but yeah, I think just having, having that, like, Hey, I might have to skip this section. Cause like this, it's not worth dying. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know what it would be, but I mean, there are fines. If you le- read those fire closures, I've never bothered to like read the fine print, but there are fines. Like if you get caught there, like, you know, if, if the death thing doesn't scare you, like I'm cheap, I'm not, trying, I'm not yeah. trying to give the federal government any more money. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of good reasons to, to not do that. Uh, and yeah. if, if you're, if you're so motivated by, by financials and that, that, that might be the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a lot, that's a lot of great insight and a lot of great advice yeah. there, pretzel. Yeah. But um, pre- prescribed fire is not the only way we're going to like, you know, slow down these fires, but um, the name's escaping me because um, there's hundreds of fire names I hear every year as a firefighter, but down in South Lake Tahoe, um, along the Tahoe Rim Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, they had done some thinning and some prescribed fire, the Caldera Fire. Um, I'm sure someone in the listening audience is like, "You idiot, pretzel!" It's <laughs> yeah, but um, we can look at that, and and because the they did a lot of prescribed fire it really helped them slow down and they were able to uh, prevent that from burning down a lot of uh, like homes, et cetera. So supporting, if there's ever prescribed fire happening in your area, you want to support that. Um, Sometimes those things like can even come up like local town councils. That's a great way we can protect uh, the ecosystem that we're already living in. Was that the Um, mosquito fire? No, not the mosquito fire. It, it was, uh, it burned over a ski area down South Lake Tahoe or it like burned through. It didn't burn down. Um, I thought it was the caldera, but I mm, could be, could be, I, I you're right. Somebody, yeah. somebody out there screaming at us right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so send, send in your, 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 your listener feedback to us. Thank you. <laughs> hey Matt, what's, um, what's the, uh, what's yeah. the next big adventure for you? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I did last summer or last uh, year after fire season, I did like a 500 mile gravel bike ride um, in the Midwest, like started and ended at my mom's house and was just bored one day in Montana um, and sketched up this route and just went and did it. And that was fun. So uh, it, I know nothing about bikes, like, you know, like I didn't have a mechanical issue, um, which was amazing. And I would be screwed if that were to happen uh, outside of like, you know, a flat tire. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm yeah. 
I'm not quite sure. Right. I've, I've been scheme. I've been scheming on a a a Yellowstone River multi-sport adventure involving uh, riding bikes, trail running, and a canoe. But we'll we'll see. All right, playing it by ear. We'll have to we'll yeah. have to keep checking in on you. See what's going on. Yeah. So pretzel, you know where we are right now? I'm in Montana. You are. You are in Montana. <laughs> but- the pro tip insight of the week. We are at that time of the episode where I turn to you and ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. What, what trail wisdom do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Um, hmm. uh, I am a big, uh, w- without like getting super crazy with it. I just really like to kind of plan and prepare for, for the, Oh shit. Right. So, and, and that can look in like so many different ways. I'm not asking, I'm not encouraging anyone to just go pack the kitchen sink and a bunch of crap that they don't need and they're never going to use. Right. Um, but just prepare like, Hmm, what if we get up there and it's like totally whiteout conditions. We're like doing some shoulder season stuff and you're not prepared for that. Right. Like, uh, you get, you gotta be ready. You gotta be prepared. So what's your bailout plan, right? Like that's goes into risk management. So if that means hiking 20 miles in the wrong direction to back and calling it, then we're calling it right. Um, those mountains will always be there or that route will always be there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just be prepared for that. Like what, what are, what are you going to like, Hey, you get into some town. I was so stoked to come into some town on the superior hiking trail, grand Marais. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to get the, the donut shop is called the world's best donuts. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a big, that's, that's a big name. That's, that's pretty bold. That's bold. Shop. Yeah. Yeah. It's bold. That's, that's fair. And I was there when it was closed, uh, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, God, you know, like whatever, like you just, you gotta, you gotta be, um, what are you going to do? What, are, you know, we you gotta be prepared, right. Have multiple options. Um, I'm, I'm really rambling here. Yeah, that's good. Um, that, that's good. Have a backup plan. Be flexible. Uh, roll with the punches. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with pretzel. want to thank him for joining us this week. Pretzel, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? Where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, dude, I, I posted something on Instagram, like after I finished the superior hiking trail like a month ago and I've yet to do anything else. So like, like it was just like head north. Cause I don't, I'm at that bike packing trip. I did. I took a bunch of photos. I haven't posted that on the internet. <laughs> um, but I do occasionally post on Instagram. Um, and yeah, my, my handles fire X neck. Fire X neck. Yeah. Has nothing. I I'm, Big fan of the Chicago Fire Soccer Club. Has nothing to do with wildland firefighting. Okay. So, yeah. There um, you go. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Pretzel, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of uh, outdoor adventure media keep our listeners connected to the trail call this our adventure media recommendation what do you have for us um actually i went and picked 
uh, reread uh, some pieces of this book. Uh, Sigurd Olson um, is an author from Ely, Minnesota. He's long dead, uh, but he wrote a book called Singing Wilderness. And it's about the North Country, the Boundary Waters area, um, and the borderlands up there. And uh, it's it's just it's just great. Um, you know, uh, the Sierra had John Muir. The Boundary Waters have Sigurd Olson. So okay, we'll have to check that um, out. Yeah, and he wrote a bunch bunch of different books. And I'm not someone that really cares for like nature writing, but he he uh, he does it for me. And he also helped write like the text of the Wilderness Act, which is pretty cool. So. All right. What have we not asked you? Hey, and before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What do we miss tonight? Uh, yeah. And going back to just me as a private citizen. Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I'm biggest this is a big concern with Wild on Fire is like we're, we're at a really rough time as far as our staffing. Um, the federal government hasn't, uh, held up their end and paid folks a living wage for a really dangerous job, um, that folks do. And, you know, we're, I, I don't have the, the stats in front of me. We're much more likely to die by suicide. We have a way larger, uh, likelihood to develop, uh, cardiovascular and lung cancer. Uh, but, for 17 bucks an hour to risk my life for the federal government, you know, a lot of folks have decided, nah, that ain't for me. Um, and have decided to take jobs elsewhere. Um, and you know, there's a lot of places you can go and make 15, 20 bucks an hour, no problem. Work 40 hours a week, see your family um, all summer long. You know, a lot of my adventures since fighting fire, I either have to take the full fire season off, which I did to hike the, Continental Divide in 2019, or I have to like eke in a long weekend or a shoulder season adventure um, because I just, I have to work so many overtime hours because I can't afford to live in the off season without that. Um, and it, it just, it you know, every year I'm contributing to a GoFundMe for another firefighter and they've had some injury at work and, you know, they, they don't have health insurance or they're getting the, the HR and the, you know, they're, they're not going to get workers comp. Um, and uh, I mean, it's the best job in the world. Like I get to work with my coworkers, fly in a helicopter. Um, you know, I get to fight fire. I get to help uh, local land and meet land managers with their objectives using our helicopter to support them. You know, I got to fly around university of Utah scientists Um that are doing seismic research in, in Montana. And it was just like getting to talk to them was awesome. You know, and I'm just like, again, I'm not a scientist. I'm just some, some knuckle dragger with a Pulaski, uh, uh, you know, tool in his hand. Right. And knows how to open and close doors on helicopters. Um, but at some point, right. Like if you can't make rent, you can't pay your bills or, you know, this, the stress it has on your relationships, your loved ones, you know, folks realize it's not for me. Um, yeah, there's a great organization called the Grassroots Wildland Firefighters, and uh, they're working with Congress to try to change that. Um, it's really near and dear to me. Um, there's, uh, I worked with someone a couple fire seasons ago, this guy, Tim Hart, and uh, he, as a smoke jumper, 
Um, and he was managing the fires in charge of the whole operation. Uh, and then the year after, uh, I'd flown with him, hung out with him a fair amount, done two weeks of work with him. Uh, he, he, for his job, he jumps out, he jumped out of an airplane for a living and to go fight fire. He's a smoke jumper. Um, and, uh, yeah, had, had an accident and ended up dying. Um, and there's, uh, the Tim Hart act would fundamentally change over 30,000 wildland firefighters lives, which would be better, better benefits, um, a pay increase, you know, we're running on this 1950s playbook where they used, they used to, in wildland fire, they used to drag people out of bars and be like, here's a shovel, go hike up that mountain, put that fire out. It, you know, there's multi-million dollar pieces of equipment that are being managed and contracts that are being honored by people making 20 bucks an hour, right? Like, um, on behalf of the federal government and it's, uh, it's, it's upsetting and, you know, that's, uh, I, I just hope that there can be change because, you know, we're not going to like fire is just not going to like magically not be a problem. Right. We need people to be on the ground to, to be managing them and, and making really tactical decisions when it's possible. But if you don't have those people, it's hard, hard to do that. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's interested, I'm, I'm just a knuckle dragger. Um, grassroots wildland firefighters and look them up. It's got lots of stuff on there. Uh, about that and what folks can do and it ties into public land right like this is where we all recreate we don't go to like private trails generally you know um to recreate we're usually using federal lands uh that's where we have those these large tracts of public land so it's yeah. important that we have folks out there pretzel well said uh very articulate on that subject and i hope uncle sam was listening uh <laughs> do check out if you're listening do check out the the uh the site that he he listed grasslands wildfire uh grassroots wildland firefighters there you go i'm glad i'm glad you're you're repeating (laughs) very good all right well that is a wrap from the john freaky mirror studio any shout outs to friends and family matt uh big shout out to my wheezy that's my grandma um she she's always supported me in all my stupid adventures um and um yeah, I don't know. I'm just... Okay. We'll stick with Wheezy. That's good. Wheezy, yeah. That's good. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't <laughs> even care if your size 13 F feet are sore and you're just looking for a porta potty to get away from the mosquitoes and sleep in for the night. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock. <laughs>